You see the last part of that there? Uh, abusers of themselves with mankind. This is dealing with homosexuals. Sodomy. It's wicked. It's wrong. You see, they wanted to call it it's an acceptable lifestyle. I've had people say, me, you ought not cover and talk about stuff like that. It's in the Bible. Am I supposed to teach the Bible or not? I'm supposed to do like Paul, teach the whole counsel of God. Whatever's in this book, I've got the freedom to teach it. And I will. But I want to try to tell you what God says about it. And just because there's people in the world that doesn't agree with God, don't agree with this Bible, don't agree necessarily with the preacher, I'm still going to say this is what God says. This is still what's right. Or I'll just get some scissors and I'll cut that part out. Because that offends them. And then I'll cut this part out because well, that, that offends them. And I'll cut this out. After a while, I won't have anything left. I won't even be able to teach salvation by grace because that offends people. What would you have left? Nothing. So either stand on it, say this is the Bible, it's the Word of God. We just finished reading, this we believe. Do we really? This is the book. This is the Bible. This is the authority. Tells us what we're supposed to think. Now, while you're right here, look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 7. Look in verse 2. Verse 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, that's sex outside of marriage, let every man have, his, have another man, and every woman have another woman. It doesn't say that. Let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. This is how God says to solve the problem of that burning passion that you have. We call it a sex drive. This is what God's talking. This is in the Bible. I'm not to run from it or be ashamed of it. So if God's word says this is what you do. This is what's right. And this is what's wrong. Now. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody went by what God says and agreed with God? But they don't agree with God. They don't believe. Did you know just by me saying this, this is offensive, isn't it? Everybody's not in, in harmony with this truth, is it? But, but did God say it, though? Is it still in the book? So we try to go by what the Bible says. Uh, look at another verse. Look in verse 9. But if they cannot contain or control that burning passion that they have within them, he said, let them marry. But today, it's an acceptable lifestyle. Acceptable to who? It shouldn't be to the believer. Not to those that know Christ as Savior and love the Lord. It is not an acceptable lifestyle. He said, as long as they don't bother me. Did you know that God can chasten this whole nation because of the sins that's tolerated? Do you believe that? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Do you agree with God on everything or just some things? Do you pick and choose where you stand with God? Or do you just back up and realize that you have an old human sinful nature and God is perfect and righteous and just. Are you willing to just 
set that aside and approach the book. Lord, tell me how to think. Tell me how to reason. Tell me what's right and wrong. Why? Because there is a way that seemeth right. I mean, after all, if two men love each other, I mean, they love each other. Who's against love? I don't care if they do love each other. It's still sinful and still wrong. If teenagers, well, we love each other. Oh, well, God says, do not commit fornication unless you love each other. He says, well, I just can't control myself. Then get married. But it is not an acceptable lifestyle. And one of the biggest problems that we have in this country, it's not because of what people do. It's because the preachers behind the pulpit don't warn the people anymore and tell them this is right and this is wrong and this is what God says and this is where we ought to stand. And most preachers are a bunch of cowards and ought to get out of the pulpit because they're afraid. You see that last part of that verse? For it's better to marry than to burn. So God says, yes. And if you get married, I think marriage is a wonderful thing. Betty and I have been married almost 52 years. I understand a little bit about problems of marriage, raising kids, grandkids. But why complicate your life? Because to live in sin is destructive. It destroys you as an individual. It destroys the home and it destroys the church and destroys the nation. Think for a moment. Let's say, for example, you have been living for 30 years. Thinking the way you think, doing what the, you wanted to do, living however you want to live. And then you come to church, you trust Christ as your Savior. Do you think you automatically know how to live the Christian life? Don't we understand that people have all these various ideas and humanistic philosophies running around in their little brain? They still got them there. And many times... They're judging whether or not they should do this or that, or this is right or that's wrong. And they're still doing what the scripture says, there seemeth to be a way that's right unto the man. So it can still seem to be right, but that doesn't make it right just because you're saved. And now maybe you love the Lord and you want to serve the Lord. Doesn't mean that all those philosophies that you had and what you used to accept doesn't mean that it's still acceptable with God. You see, growing in the Lord is learning more and more how to think the way God thinks. That's how you mature. Or you can stay a babe all your life. Never grow. Never learn how to think the way God wants you to think. And if you don't think right, you don't live right. It affects the counseling that you give to your husband or your wife or your kids or anybody else that you meet. That's why we want to study the Word of God so much. Not that we can go around with you know, a little halo around our head and trying to be a holier than thou. But don't we have a, a certain responsibility to God to say this is right, this is wrong? So that whenever you did it, I was wrong, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, it wasn't that bad. No, it's right or wrong. 
and most people don't really get it. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Job. The book of Job, way back there in the Old Testament. The book of Job and chapter 10. Job and chapter 10. Job chapter 10. Now, you know he was a man who was having a hard time. He had a bad day. Uh, we don't know how long that bad day lasted, but it was, it was pretty bad. He, he lost 10 kids at one time. His wife told him, says, why don't you curse God and die? His friends turned against him. He lost so much. Lost a lot of his wealth. Salt markets crashed. Everything. But anyway, in Job chapter 10, I want you to look there in verse 9. Look in verse 9. Remember, I beseech thee. That thou hath made me. I want you to notice what Job said. Thou. Notice the thou. Thou hast made me as the clay. And will thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese? In verse 11, thou hath clothed me with skin and flesh and hath fenced me with bones and sinew. Job said, you're the one that made me. You, thou hast done all of this. You gave me this body. The 139th Psalm where David writes, it's beautiful. You ought to read that whole Psalm. He says, because I was formed in the belly of my mother, and thou hast seen all my parts before they were totally formed, and all that. It's just a wonderful Psalm. And he says in verse 12, thou hast granted me life. Thou hast granted me life. And favor. Who made me? God. What has he granted to me? The right to life. The right to life. Now, if you believe that your rights came from government, then you know that government can change those rights, alter those rights in any way, or take away those rights. So that's why government is giving rights to people. Because the people think that government has the right. God is the one who gave us the right to life. And therefore, that life that's inside of a mother's womb should be the safest place on earth. Think for a moment. If there has been about 50 million little babies murdered... Who did that? He said, well, the doctors did. Mothers made choices. Mothers made choices. And the choice they should have made is to keep themselves pure till they got married. All the bills they're talking about and the contraceptives. Think about this just for a second. It should only be necessary for married couples that maybe don't want to have any more children. Is that why they want to have them? Or are they giving them out to kids in the schools? And you know they are. Because that's how they think. It seems like that's the right thing to do. Because, you see, they have no morals. There's no restraints. Do whatever you want. So when the teenagers see adults doing whatever they want, why can't the kids do whatever they want? 
And the adults have no right to say anything because they're not living any better. You see, the only thing that causes a man to really have restraints upon his life that gives him the power to do the right thing is because when you know Christ is your Savior and you know that this book is true and you know that there's a living God and you're going to have to face Him someday, when you believe all of this, it constrains you to restrain yourselves, to harness those sinful desires. Yes, you may have them. Everybody does. But God says there's a way to control thyself. And that's for God to control the man. But you see, when you take the Bible out of the schools, and people don't have the Bible in their homes, and nobody is listening to what God says, and churches are going downhill today because nobody wants to hear what God has to say. Do what you want to do. Live however you please. There's no right and wrong. Everything's just a dirty gray. No black and white. And therefore we have a, a destructive force in our country. When I stop and think about 50 million little babies murdered, we talk about, and I've gotten several little news items about the Holocaust and about the 6 million Jews and and how they said, no, never again, never again. I got news for them. It's going to happen again. And even worse in the future for the nation of Israel. Why should we care what happens to a little old nation of Israel when we don't even care about protecting a little baby? We can annihilate them, abort them, and it's wrong. And it's to hide sin. It's a shame. It's a disgrace. You say, well, you, you offend me. No, it's not me. I'm not your problem. This is bothering you because what I'm telling you is in this book. And I am supposed to teach this book. And it is supposed to apply to our lives. I want you to take your Bible and look in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 is a good description of the nation. The nation. And Israel was in bad shape. Notice there in verse 2. Hear, O Israel. O, o heavens. This is in chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, O Israel, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children. They have rebelled against me. Verse 4, sinful nation. Verse 5, you will revolt more and more. This is how God is describing the nation. What did God do to deal with this nation? He brought in those from Babylon. This was a nation, and this is what they were doing. See there in verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a small remnant, we should have been as Sodom. We should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. He's talking to Jerusalem. Because they were living like that. You think God sees what goes on in our country? He sees. Do you think God is pleased? I don't think God is pleased. So he says here, that I'm going to have to deal with you. 
Look in chapter 3. Chapter 3. This is somewhere along the line of what's going to happen and the judgment that God pours out upon His people. So in verse 4 of chapter 3, And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. Now when it says babes, that's not talking about, you know, big babes. Down below it will talk about other. In verse 5, And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. In other words, no respect of children toward their parents, or parents with their grandparents. It's all going to break down against each other, oppressing each other. Do you realize that just by the taxation that we have gone on to cover all these things that are wrong, did you know you're paying for it? And we're doing it to each other. The reason your taxes are so high is because of the person that's sitting beside you and the one that sits beside them, the people we go to school with, the people you work with. People scattered all over the nation because many will make decisions from a humanistic viewpoint. And most of God's people are not spiritually minded. They're making their decisions because it seems right. Not because it is right. And that's why there's a price to pay. Look down there in verse 9 where he says, The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom, they hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. What are they going to get for the sins they commit? They're going to bring destruction upon the nation. God is going to have to judge America. And this is where we are. Look what he said in verse 11. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. In other words, what you earned, you're going to get. In verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors. Women shall rule over them. O my people, they which cause thee, lead thee, cause thee to err. But see, people don't care what God says. I want the best for our country. I want the best for every individual. I know that as an individual, you cannot stay a strong, godly individual if you don't do what God's Word says because you'll begin to make excuses for the sins in your life. And God will have to chasten and discipline you. And if you happen to be the head of a home, God will whoop your home. Your home will be chastened because of it. And a church can be whooped because of it. And our nation can be whooped because of it. All I want to do is to tell you truth and be honest. I believe that these things are so very important. And there'll be some people say, well, I don't like you saying that. I don't care. I'm going to say it because... Christ says in his word, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. That's the philosophy of those that don't believe in miracles or angels or in the resurrection or spiritual power. And the Pharisees, which believed that you had to 
Keep the law in order to be saved. Christ says, beware, beware, beware. So let me close with these kind words. The most controversial verse in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of it. It's, it's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Do you realize how controversial that verse is? How many people believe that you have to earn your way to heaven by how you live? And you don't go to heaven because of how you live. Salvation is not by your works. So in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That verse is divisive because it tells you what salvation is and it tells you what salvation is not. And all these religions that teach you're saved by your works are false religions. They're not compatible with Christianity. There is no religion compatible with true Christianity. There is none. Some say that Jesus Christ was just a great man, a great prophet, great teacher. But he was not the Son of God. The Muslims say that Jesus was not the Son of God. They say Allah doesn't have a son. Well, then their Allah isn't God. So their God and my God is not the same God. Their Jesus is not my Jesus. They say Jesus did not die on the cross and pay for the sins of the world, and that he did not die they say he did not come back from the dead. That's what they say. See, that's a lie. And their Allah is not merciful. They have no forgiveness of sins under Allah. They have no salvation. Can you think of a God in heaven that will reward you with 70 virgins if you kill some Christians? Look up here. Now this is important. This message that you hear week after week and take for granted maybe most of you. You've heard it a thousand times. This is very, very divisive. This causes a lot of arguments. When you tell a person, yes, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. And because of sin, we're all going to die. Now the issue comes is how can this man get to heaven? They think that you just got to clean up your life. Try to get rid of some of that sin. You know, cover it up with good things. And if you do all these good things, you'll get to go to heaven. But see, all these good things, they're not taking away any sin. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God in hell. And God says he loves us, and he said, I'll do something for you because of my love. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God says, if you and I, if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus did. Not about what we've done. It's what he did for us. He gives to us the free gift of everlasting life. And the religions of the world are always trying to teach you to be good. Do the best you can. Go to church now. 
Don't forget to give money. We've already got your money, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't give anything. You don't have to promise anything. You don't stop anything. You mean God will save me just as I am? That's it. Just as you are as a sinner. All that you need to do is believe Christ died and paid for your sins. You see, what that means is if he paid for your sins, it means you don't have to pay for your sins. You mean all those bad things I did? You don't have to pay for your sins. He paid for them. Do you get it yet? How many of your sins did he pay for? All of them. So when you accept this payment he made for you, he gives to you as a free gift everlasting life. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and maybe you, maybe you don't agree with everything that I say, I hope you agree with most of it. I'll try to tell you what the Bible says. And I have a biblical reason for saying the thing that I do because it's based upon a principle. But what's important is that none of us are perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But God is. And he wants you to go to heaven. But you'll have to be washed as white as snow. When you believe he died and paid for all of your sins, it was just like you died and paid for everything you've ever done wrong. If you paid for all of your sins, if you did it, it'd be paid in full. You paid. But you see, Christ paid it for you. So you don't have to be eternally separated from the Lord. God loves you so much. So right now in the quietness of this moment, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die, and I'd like you to pray for me. So I'm going to ask you, would you just slip your hand very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Are there others? Just slip it up, put it right back down. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. If it made sense to you, say, I believe that. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And right now, I trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done it before, do it right now. Yes, God bless you, sir. The smartest decision you could ever make. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. He gives it to you as a gift. It's free. And because of that, you'll go to heaven when you die. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. Lord, we love our country. We love our church. We love our homes. But Father, sin will destroy it all. We ask your blessings upon each one here especially those that indicated by an uplifted hand that this morning they would trust Christ as their Savior. By doing so, they become your child. You'll never cast them out, never lose them, that you give them the free gift of eternal life. We ask your blessings upon each one here. Give us a good service tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.